Hey, mothers and lovers. Welcome to Hella Smart Mothers. I'm your host, Nicole Delahousse. I'm a boy mom, a wife, and attorney by day. I'm sure you're wondering, what is a Hella Smart Mother? A Hella Smart Mother is a mom who wants to be the best version of herself for herself and her family, but mostly for herself. If this is you, welcome to the mom squad you never knew you needed. Hella Smart Mothers starts now. Hey, mothers and lovers. So I had the privilege of sitting down with New York Times bestseller and contributor for like every publication you've ever read, <laughs> Jancy Dunn. Uh, we discussed in great detail and at great length her best-selling book, How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids. And guys, this is a long episode, but it is so good and chock full of so much useful information that you won't even notice. If you haven't read How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids, do it right after you listen to this episode. All right, guys, I'm going to be brief, so let's get it in with Jancy Dunn. Hey, mothers and lovers. Welcome to another episode of Hella Smart Mothers, y'all. Today, I am geeked. Like, I have Ms. Jancy Dunn, author of How to Hate Your Husband After Kids, and I know a whole lot of us need that guidance. (laughs) (laughs) I have her on air today. I am beyond ecstatic. So I just want to read her bio real quick, just so you know, like, who we're dealing with right now. Jancy is a New York Times bestselling author of five books, including But Enough About Me, a memoir of her rock and roll year. So just enough for us, she was a correspondent writer for Rolling Stones for what was it? How many years was it? So 13 years, a while. 13 years. So we're dealing with a legit, like, rock star, guys. (laughs) She's also written, why is my mother getting a tattoo and other questions I wish I never had to answer? I think we might segue to that at some point. (laughs) 68. She was 68. I know. Nicole? I love it. I love it. I I don't even have any tattoos. So your mom's a total badass in my book. I don't either. You don't have any tattoos? Never mind saying. I don't know why. Just not. I hate needles. Like, Mm -hmm. I hate needles. Yeah. I'm like, nah, you're not going to like dig into my skin with a needle. Mm -mm. Uh, she also wrote a memoir with Cindy Lauper. So, guys, when I tell you she's a rock star, I mean that. Her first book for children, I'm Afraid Your Teddy is in Trouble Today. I haven't read it, but I feel like I need to get it and read it to my kids. Cause <laughs> I'll send it to it, you. I'll send it to you. Great. <laughs> so, yeah, as I mentioned, she was a staff writer at Rolling Stone for over a decade and a VJ at MTV for five years. What did you VJ? Yeah, isn't that weird? I was at MTV2. Which uh-huh. I think still exists. Yeah, so yeah, I was, that's how I remember him too. And everyone else is like, oh, he's a brand new star. I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh. Ages ago, you know? Yeah, funny. But I digress. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Jancy is also a writer for many of our favorite publications New York Times, Vogue, Travel and Leisure, Food and Wine, and Parents uh, Magazine. You're also currently, what, an editor at O Magazine? I had a column at O Magazine for a couple of years. When you're in publishing, you have to do a bunch of different things to stay afloat. So I just did like a thousand jobs. So that was one of my old jobs, but not anymore. But I was a columnist for a while, yeah. Very cool. (laughs) Are you done with the book with Caramel or are you still working on it? I am done with it. And now I'm trying to figure out my next book. And I'm wondering, what do you think, Nicole? Is there a book about 
taking care of your kids and your parents at the same time? Because that's kind of what I'm doing. Ooh, you know, I haven't really heard of that because that's definitely kind of the sandwich we're in. Someone actually wrote to me about doing that as a Hella Smart Mothers episode was talking Mm. about kind of that being in that generation of where you're both taking care of kids and your parents. Yeah. Um, That book, I would definitely be about it. Okay. I have one sale. You. Yes. Right. Okay. All right. (laughs) And I'm sure many others too, because like I said, someone legitimately maybe two weeks ago reached out to me about that as a show topic. So interesting. Okay. All right. I got to figure it out. So I uh, asked Jancy to be on Hello Smart Mothers because of the book, How Not to Hate Your Husband After Having Kids. And the very first quote on the very first chapter, I was just like, that is the realest shit that I have ever seen about what having children does to your marriage. I was like, I couldn't like capture it that way. And the quote is, when you have a baby, you set off an explosion in your marriage. And when the dust settles, your marriage is different from what it was. And that quote's from Nora Ephron. And I was just like, that is so true. I'm like, you can either have it as rubble and mm-hmm. it can remain rubble and, and or you can fix it and it can be better than it was before. But it's definitely different. Like, it's never the same. It's never going to go back to what it was. And I find that that quote, if more people heard that quote, I think their expectations of kind of like what happens after you have a kid would be much more managed because I know I, for one, and all my friends, we were just like, who is this man mm-hmm. that was so, you know, awesome and loving and caring and helpful and all those good, wonderful things like after the baby comes and you're like, why am I doing all the things? All the things. And this is a book, not for people that are in abusive, you know, relationships. That's a different book. This is for people that married a good guy, you know, not like some monster. And you just can't believe how different things are. You know, it's for people that had like a real good relationship beforehand. And then the kid comes in, man, it really does change, doesn't it? And I was keeping it from so many of my friends, and I'm as close to my friends as you are to yours, but it is the thing you kind of don't talk about. You don't want to bring down your husband necessarily. Absolutely. Like you can talk about your boyfriends and stuff like that. And, you know, say everything. (laughs) They'll come and go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But not with your husband. And I felt so isolated. And yet we talk about a lot of stuff in the parenting world, but that is still one thing that is not talked about is how bad the fights can be how rough it is in those first couple of years between you and your partner. Yes, it's rough when you have a kid and no sleep and blah, blah. But like, I just couldn't believe it. I thought, did I not know you? I thought we've been together for 10 years. And I, I would look at him sometimes and think, who the hell are you? I really didn't know him. It was weird. I 1000% agree. I remember Mm -hmm. having a conversation with a very close friend of mine. She's actually been on the show as well. And she, Mm. she's both a lawyer and a counselor. So she was just like, girl <laughs> like, let's, <laughs> like let's step it back a little bit and I was just like I don't even know this guy like I mm-hmm. thought I did and she's just like no she's like it's just the new baby smell like mm-hmm. it is intoxicating and not in a good way you know <laughs> and I was just like yeah <laughs> like, I don't know what just happened here and so you know reading your book 
and for people who haven't read it. And so I don't want to give away too much of it because I want everyone to read it. It's that good. It's that <laughs> pertinent. I feel like it should be like mandatory when you leave the hospital if you are in a relationship because (laughs) truly it lays out a situation that seems so universal that until you read a book like that or until you have those real conversations with your friends, like you literally think is just you. Like Mm -hmm. I married some dude that I clearly don't know. And now what the hell? Like, I'm going to get a divorce when my baby's six months old. (laughs) Like, like, who wants to do that? But knowing that other people are in the same situation, as weird as that sounds, it's super comforting. It's comforting to know that you're not the only, like, shit relationship (laughs) that can't, like, get it together. (laughs) So in the book, you have an aha moment. What was your aha moment as Oprah calls it? (laughs) Well, I had a couple. And I remember one was that my husband went away. He's a writer also. And he went away on a job for two weeks. And I remember how easy it was when he was gone. And I thought, wow, this is interesting and not in a good way because I wasn't resentful. I knew what I was in for with the baby. You know, you know what your day is going to be like. Right. But when he was there, it was constantly, are you not noticing that I'm doing everything? Because what it was is he was a, he's a progressive guy, but when the baby came, I ended up doing almost everything, like all the childcare and all the housework and all the everything. And he was really good at not seeing how mad I was. He could like sit on the couch with his phone and just not see it. I mean, that was my fault too. Cause I wasn't articulating what was making me so angry. I was just like fuming and like throwing things around and banging pots and pans when I was making dinner. <laughs> You know, when you like hate that prepared dinner, yeah. <laughs> you hate prepared dinner where you're like slam chomp, you know, and, and, and chomp the carrot, like it's yeah. the brain above it. Like, yeah, no. Right. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was one when he was away and I thought seriously, would it be better if he never came home, if he wasn't with us? Because it's easier. I feel I sleep better. I'm not angry. And that had never occurred to me in my life until we had kids. And another was. I was interviewing again. I work from home. I'm calling you from home right now. I have upstairs. I have a little tape recorder and I interview people up there because I have a landline still for my mom to call me on and to do interviews. So I'm up there. I said to my husband when my kid was, she was still being potty trained. So she was pretty young, but my daughter's name is Sylvie. I said, Tom, that's my husband. I'm going to go upstairs and interview Jennifer Hudson. She was like, doing something for Weight Watchers. And it was the cover of some women's magazine. And for a cover, you get 45 minutes and you need good quotes and that's it. You don't get any more time with them, you know? And so I needed to get working quickly. So I said, of course, because I overdo it, I prepared a little snack tray. I got them like a game, like he couldn't handle it himself, which is another one of my problems. And I said, I'm upstairs for an hour, Tom, then I'll come back down. Okay. He's like, oh yeah, I got this. I go upstairs. I'm talking to Jennifer. She's great. I've interviewed her before. We're, you know, talking about Weight Watchers. Then all of a sudden there's my kid next to me. And I said, I'm I'm talking to Jennifer. I'm like, hi, what's up? And she said, I have to poo. I said, daddy will take care of it while I'm talking to Jennifer. And she said, no, you do it. Poo, 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 poo. I have to poo. I have to poo. It's coming out. It's coming out. In the meantime, I'm trying to talk to the Grammy and Oscar winner on the phone, right? 
So I took off my shoe and I threw it down the stairs, hoping like, where is he? Can he hear me? I'm banging right. on the is floor. He dead? Like what's yeah. happening? <laughs> right, yeah. And finally I said to her, and then we, oh, I'm by my copy machine and I'm thinking maybe I should take some copy paper out, put it on the floor and she can crap on the coffee paper like a doll, oh right? <laughs> but I couldn't reach the copy paper because I'm on a landline and I'm like trying to reach. And I finally, I said to Jennifer, I'm like, time is money, you know? And I, I said to her, I'll be back in two minutes. I ran downstairs with my kid. She had a poo. And as I'm running with her, I look over and there's Tom, my husband on his phone. And he did that thing where he like arranges his face on the phone as though he's like receiving an important call from a boss. He wasn't, he wasn't, he was playing some computer game on his phone. And I'm like, God, this is about money. If I don't get a good interview, I don't get paid. It gets killed. So that we had an epic fight after that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, what were you doing? So those were the two moments, I would say a professional one and a personal one. That That's a professional re- yeah. one, yeah, I feel like that one may have made me call an attorney. <laughs> right? <laughs> just for an initial call, just for a consultation. Just, just, just to get yeah. an idea of, like, you, you know, know. What, what am I looking at here? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is definitely an aha moment. So I'd have to believe that, you know, like you said, things have been a brewing for some time if, like, yes. those things kind of are the pinnacle. So, like, how long would you say that you had been kind of having, like, I know what happens with me and my husband is like, we're both passive aggressive a little bit. I'm a little Mm. bit more assertive aggressive than he is. He's a lot more passive aggressive. And Mm -hmm. so he gets upset. Like when it finally comes out, you can just see like the steam release, like the lava just starts flowing because he's like built this whole like pressure cooker in his head about things that have been going on for like six weeks, six months, Mm. like whatever. Whereas me, like, I blow up right then. If I'm going to blow up, it's like, what the hell? Like, why did you do that? Or why didn't this happen? Or like, whatever. Why are you mad? I'm like, really? You know? (laughs) And so that definitely happens in our relationship where the pressure cooker happens. So how long had your pressure cooker been cooking, do you think? Let's see. It had been building until she, I didn't even realize, I mean, like you, when you're getting through the day and you you have two kids, right? So it's like, I can't even imagine. I only have one, but you're just getting through the day. And so there's no time to think, you know, and Mm -hmm. I I just realized, I didn't realize how bad it had gotten because it just becomes your new normal. Right. I would say it really came to like a head when she was four, because we have the same dynamic as you and your husband, where my mom used to call me a blow top because I'd be like, you know, right away, like, I'm going to, you know, (laughs) <laughs> and my husband, he retreats and he like lets it build and build. Same thing. And so my daughter would say to me, quit yelling at daddy. Even when he was at fault, like right, because right. she saw me losing it, it was me who was the villain. And I thought, oh, this isn't good. And also it was because I realized I was being a hypocrite. I wrote, I had the column for, oh, at the time I wrote about like relationships for the New York Times. I wrote about relationships for health magazine and like my own house was a mess. Like here I was, and I had access to all these people. It was a combination of her physically jumping in front of my husband and being like, don't yell at daddy. And I'm like, Oh oh God, you know, what am I going to do about this? And also like realizing how bad it was getting and that we were affecting her. And the sad thing is like in retrospect, my motive was, "Uh Oh, I'm ruining my kid because I read these studies. Like 
we used to fight over the head of our daughter, like our, you know, their big toddler right, head. Right, right. You talk we about would, that in your book, yeah. Yeah, we would fight over her head and we would think, well, she can't hear, you know, or I would do that classic thing where like at the breakfast table, if we'd been fighting the night before, to him, I would be like, okay, yeah, so are you taking her to preschool? And then to her, it would be like, <gasps> you want to do some cheerios? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, we've yeah. all been there, right? Like, oh, yeah. sweetheart, you're so sleepy this morning. So that was a problem too. So my motivation was that I'd read this study that babies as young as six months, if their parents are fighting, you know, they can't even speak yet, but the stress from the parents' voices, it's registering in the baby's brain. It's upping their cortisol levels. You Ooh. think about a baby's stress levels, you could cry your eyes out. And I thought, right, right. okay, so I, I've been ruining her for a while. And that sadly now in retrospect was my motive. It wasn't like, oh, my marriage is going to shit. It's like, oh, I'm ruining my kid. Like that's how kid centric I was. And that's where I was part of the problem because we used to get along great. Like we really did. We didn't fight very much. I've talked so much, Nicole, that I can't remember what you asked me. So that was it. It was like, don't yell at daddy. And also I had been talking to, for another story, I interviewed this guy who was the head of the Yale Parenting Center, like this big guy, you know, he was like a major well-known guy. And he said, have you ever asked your kid what she thinks about your fighting? And of course I never had, because I assumed, like she wasn't even paying attention. Like that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kids are dumb. Kids are dumb and they pick up on everything and they're little sponges. And so I, I asked her and I didn't like what she told me, you know, and so that was part of it too. So I thought I'm gonna try to fix this. And I started, you know, I thought I'm going to consult everyone I know. At that point, it wasn't like a book thing. Then it became a book thing. So in that point, what was Tom saying? Like, was he under the, and like, I feel like I like know you guys. I feel like I like lived in y'all's house because <laughs> I listened to you on, I listened to the audible version. And so like, oh, you I hear, like, yeah. And so like, I hear your voice and you know, you're saying Tom, or you're saying Sylvie and you're like saying all these names. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like in their living room, like listening <laughs> to this all go down. So I'm like, so Tom, what did, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> So Tom, what was he kind of in all this? Like, did he realize that there was a problem? Was he kind of in his own dad oblivion? Because that's one thing that always like blows my mind is that mm-hmm. I feel like not in my marriage per se, because my husband, he's very much like he knows, like mm-hmm. he knows when things are not good and okay. he will, like he will cop to it once we have the talk he always cops to like okay yeah fuck up he's never been one of those people that's like no like dig his heels in the sand forever like he will Mm -hmm. dig for a little bit and so will i like we're both super stubborn and we're both very like erudite so it's like a conversation about well i know i understand that you know sociologically we were both raised differently and you know you (laughs) process emotions a lot you know we have those conversations and it's very rarely like a, Oh, I hate you. Cause you're stupid. And you didn't take out the trash. Like it's not that, like we definitely talk at a high level. And so that's also why I'm like, Ooh, I wonder if my kids do know when we're like actually fighting because mm. I don't feel like we like attack fight, but we definitely like, I cannot believe you would disrespect me, you know, like that kind of thing. But that's good. What you're doing is behavioral modeling and you're showing your children how to work through an argument like grownups. Like you're way ahead of the game than I was. I hope so. <laughs> but this I is mean, really like, so when my son, it was before, I feel like I even went back to work. So it was probably like at the three or four month mark mm-hmm. where it was just becoming a situation where I was like, I'm angry. 
all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm not that person. Like, I'm just not that person. I'm not an angry person. I've never been that way. Always, Mm -hmm. like, when we were first getting together, his comment to me always was, oh, man, you're such a glass half full kind of girl. And so I was like, I am not glass half full. I'm like, F this glass, I'm going to throw it across the room. Like, that's (laughs) how I felt about the damn class. And so I was like, this isn't good. I was like, we can't keep doing this. So we started seeing a couple therapists like four months into the journey. So that's the only reason that I feel like we don't have knockdown drag outs because Mm -hmm. like so soon into where those feelings of like, I'm going to throw the glass at your head. Mm -hmm. We did something about it. And good for you and good for him for going because it can be difficult to get men to go. And like it says a lot about him right there. You know, he's no, he's amazing. Like, I feel like I don't give him enough credit, like in his face. Like I I talk about him like this all the time. And so it's good that like on the podcast memorialized for the world. Like there you go. (laughs) But like I do feel like I do not give him enough credit because he's on board. Like he's in it. Like I never ever feel like I'm the one that's pushing for us to be better. Like he's in it. And so I am thankful for that. But skirt it back to where I was going with that whole line of thinking is that like I've seen in other like my friends relationships a lot a lot of times is that their men just seem so obtuse like Mm -hmm. they don't even know that their wife is pissed or you know their girlfriend is pissed and they just do them and of course you know as women we want to try to keep as much of a semblance of peace until you just can't anymore Mm -hmm. And they just let it go and let it go and let it go until it's like, I'm going to throw a glass at your head. Yeah. And the guy is just like, whoa, my God. Like, what do you mean you're mad? Like, you don't know. You know, like, I didn't know it. I didn't know you were mad. And I'm always dumbfounded by that. Did you see that in Tom? Like, did he seem like when you actually like, we need to go to therapy. We need to do these things. Was it like a, what? like oh my god I didn't know it was that big of a problem or was he like yeah let's do that (laughs) no it was it was just what you said it was wait what like he really was dumbfounded he really didn't know and I've asked him since then like now that the worst has passed I say like in those early days like how could you not know that I was ready to divorce you you know and he said I was so nervous about this whole parenthood thing and learning as I go that I couldn't think of anything else and I just wasn't seeing you and also He's just one of those people, it's partly the way he was raised and just, I don't know what, he can just compartmentalize things and just not deal. And I'm a very, let's deal with it right now. So our dynamic is totally opposite. But yeah, he was stunned when I said, we have to do something now, like today. He was absolutely so surprised. And wow, if you did it four months in with your first child, like, you really headed off a lot of problems, didn't you? Because you learn how to talk to each other. You learn how to fight. Think so. I yeah. will say this though, like we were kind of using her as triage though. So like, that's what we had to learn is like, we'd have a big fight. We'd go see her. We'd work it out. We'd be mm-hmm. good. And okay. we'd be like, ah, we're good. This takes up a lot of time. It's kind of expensive. Like Not we don't cheap. need her right now. Yeah. And then we'd have the next big like blowout. And then like, right. let's call her right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we need to go yeah. tomorrow. And yeah. then, you know, we were doing that. And so the last like big thing that we had, I was like, okay, we're not doing this as triage. Like we're going to go consistently mm-hmm. because that keeps us 
you know, lock and step. Like, we're not going to have these moments where we're blissfully happy because we remember how to talk to each other because she just gave us the five, you know, key communication components or whatever. And we're all like, yeah, we can do this. We're smart. And then you get home and like real life hits and you forget all that shit because it was six months ago when you last saw her and you have big, huge blowout where you're like, okay, I'm divorce attorney. And like, I'm an attorney in our seat. And so like, I know people that I could like in my phone that I could just call and be like, listen, I'm coming to your office right now. (laughs) (laughs) This dude tripping, I'm done. (laughs) And so, I was like, you don't want to get to that point. And so that's been kind of our catalyst for continuing the treatment. And I'm like, and like, that's how we kind of had to look at it. Like, if you have hypertension, you can't just stop taking your medication because your mm. blood pressure has leveled off. Like, yeah. it's leveled off because you're treating it. So we have to keep treating it, you know, so it doesn't get high again. And so, like, yes. that's kind of how we looked at the therapy situation. But I know, like, in the beginning, yeah, we would go, like, once every few months when we were in a big thing. And then mm. we'd solve it and we'd be happy. And it was literally putting a Band-Aid on cancer, whereas you need treatments. Like, yeah. you need continuous treatments. And you need to continue to monitor it for the rest of your life. And, like, that is how I have to look at, like, everything in my life is, like, everything is health. Like, mental health physical mm-hmm. health, spiritual health, like you have to monitor it and you have to nurture it and you have to like keep making it good. Cause if you leave it by itself, it's going to grow like whatever it is. Right. And so definitely that. Yeah. So back, I know I'm like me and you were both talkers. And so we're going to be like all over the place. But um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but yeah. So like, so he didn't know y'all go to counseling and when I was listening to the Audible, I was like, man, I like y'all's counselor. Like, he was not about the bullshit. And I was like, like, ours isn't either, but she's definitely much more, like, gentle. Mm-hmm. And I guess for some people that's necessary, but I'm very much about the cut to the chase, like, where am I messing up? Where is he messing up? How can we fix it? And so I loved it. Like, y'all's therapist was like this is what it is. (laughs) Yes. He was ruthless and he's well known in like New York therapy session um, circles. He's like, they call him the man from Boston. His name's Terry real. And he is, he is real. real. All right. (laughs) He was the realest. He yelled at us. He swore at us. He was like, but I loved it. Like, I don't know what my personality, well, I'm the same way as you. Like, like, tell me what to do. Yell at me. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Like, like just bring it all on. And he was ruthless. And we went for this mega session over the weekend that cost a lot of money for my book events, but it was totally worth it because he, he charges 800 an hour. I'm not Ooh. kidding. Do you yeah. believe? Yeah, we had a five-hour session. So let's add that up. And I'm like, That oh, is man. freaking tuition. My yeah. God. Right? Good for him, I mean, right? But it did its job. It sure did. And in fact, like, we live by his principles even now. I mean, we went to other therapy sessions after that. And like, I love that you're talking about it. I love that a lot of people are talking about there's no shame in going to marriage therapy. Like, get out there. Not cheap. I do know that. And I know that some therapists are trying to, like, do short-term sessions where it's, like, four months or six months and you're not going for the rest of your life, even though you talked about maintaining and you're right. But, like, there are ways or, like, some of them, they're in training. You could go to a training session even. 
where they're almost therapists and they're still learning, but like anything is good or, a, you know, there's sometimes there's counselors at people's churches even, or, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can go. But I always tell people like, if you feel like you need help, seek help. And if you can't get your partner to go, go by yourself, Definitely. work on yourself, right? Yeah. That, I mean, and I think the by yourself, like that helps you learn to communicate. Like, so yeah. you diffuse and like, sometimes it's like, you have to diffuse or you have to disengage or like, mm-hmm. you can't just keep making the explosion bigger and bigger and pouring more gasoline on it. Like sometimes right. you do need to just, you know what, if you're going to be over here doing whatever, like that doesn't have anything to do with me right now, you know, yeah. and trying to remember to take yourself out of it. And it is only through therapy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> in counseling that helped me to realize that. And I think it also helped my husband to realize that is that like, sometimes it's just not about you. And right. that was hard for me to grasp for a while is that like, you're not not doing something because you want to be a dick to me. Like, that's not why you're doing it. Like, A, mm-hmm. you're preoccupied. B, you literally just don't know. Or C, I've probably been like, nah, you're doing it wrong and you don't want to do it no more, which we're going to yep. get to that as well. Brene Brown calls that the story that I'm making up, which I did all yes. the time with my husband. Like, if he was ignoring me or, you know, he wasn't helping out, I would make up a story in my head. Like, oh, I'm holding her down wow, I have a great deal. Like she's doing all the work like a donkey and I'm just hanging out, you know, he wasn't thinking that. And I had to stop. I had to catch myself when I was making up a story of when he was holding me down. He isn't that evil. He's just not, he's just, right. you know, he does love me. And so I had to stop doing that. And the other thing that Terry Real really nailed me on is he said, you're being a martyr. You're not clear about what you want from him. And this is a trap that I think a lot of people fall into. And I expected him to read my mind when I was banging around everything or like glaring at him or not talking to him, which he never even noticed, which is kind of upsetting. And, (laughs) and he was kind of like relieved when I gave him the silent treatment and like, but I wasn't spelling out what I wanted or how I felt. And if you can't get clear, how do you expect your relationship to get clear? I mean, this is two things I heard over and over again, because I interviewed the world. I interviewed couples counselors, neuroscientists, social scientists. I interviewed two guys from the FBI who would talk down people. Love who were, that. You know, like, I love taking that hostages. part of the chapter. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And I talked to child psychologists and so many different experts. That's what I do all day long anyway. And I can't even tell you, so many of them said the same thing. It was two things. One, clarity, clarity, clarity. You have to be clear. You have to be clear about what you want and clear what you need from him and clear about why you're upset, which is another tough one. So like, I would try to get clear about what really upset me about him not pitching in. And before that, it would be me just like reacting like, oh, I'm doing everything. Oh, you know, and it wasn't me getting to the bottom of what upset me. And what really upset me, I wrote about this, but like, is I was hurt that he thought that I should, I'm somehow better at scrubbing toilets and like changing diapers. Although I am better at changing diapers. There wasn't one particle (laughs) of feces I would leave on that child behind. And he wasn't as good. There's that. And then there was being clear about what I wanted because instead of yelling, you don't do anything, I would say, I need you to please do respectfully, you know, can you, right. I would like you to do this. He always said to me, start it with, I would like you to, you know, I would like you to do blah, blah, blah. I would like you to do blah, blah, blah. Can you please get up off the couch and do blah, blah, blah. And just to say it calmly and to say what I wanted and also be clear about 
where the two of us were headed, which was divorce court. You know, it's easy to get wrapped up in your everyday life and to not figure out what's really going on. You know, we had a bunch of frank conversations. And the other was, I heard over and over again, including from the FBI, he was the hostage negotiator for the FBI for 30 years. He clamped down prison riots. He talked down like people that were setting stuff on fire, waving guns around like, and he could do it in three minutes. And he's still my friend, Gary. I had dinner with him the other night. It was so weird. He was in town. The next time I'm in Brooklyn, I'm going to look y'all up and we're going to have to like have a chat. (laughs) You don't know. You would love him. And he's really, he's very calm, you know, as you can imagine. And like, and so he said that in his 30 years in the FBI of talking down so many people, so many agitated individuals, you know, he kept using all this like FBI speak, (laughs) is that people want to be heard. And I realized I really felt like I was not being heard. And in order for him to hear me, I had to also be clear about what I wanted. So it was just about clarity and being heard. That was, again, a really long answer, but, you know. No, but, like, that's for real. Like, and I feel like, you know, when we talk to our therapist, she's like, people think that, like, you know, they say the big three of, like, divorces, like, money, sex, and I can't even remember what the third one is right now. But she's like, in reality, all that boils down to is communication mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. those things. She's like, it's not the money. It's not the sex. It's not whatever the third thing is that I'll find. Um, yeah, no, I can't like, think either. Infidelity or no? I can't even. I can't uh, remember. But regardless, it's like they all boil down to communication or lack thereof of mm. those things. And you're yeah. like, yeah, like, that's true. Like, it's not the money that you're fighting about. Like, money is in my mind, you know, to an extent it's fluid. Like, you know, you make money, you spend money, you make money, you spend money. And like, it's not that that's what upsets people is that you don't communicate about how the money is being spent, about where the money is coming from, about where the money is going, like that kind of thing. Sex even is like, people want to have X amount of sex, but they don't communicate that. And then the other person has no idea because they're like, I'm good with once a month, which but mm-hmm. you know, like they're good with that whereas the other person is like i would like to have sex every single day which <laughs> also <laughs> and we'll talk about that too um but like it's never communicated and it's these expectations they're all built up that the other person has no clue about yes and so it's literally again it's the story you make up in your head and mm-hmm. the lack of communication without the communication you make up the story And so that is like, yeah, like communication unequivocally is the life source or the death nail, you know, of your relationship. So there's two issues festering underneath it all, you know, and that's how you made the story around. Right. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So there's two things I want to circle back to while we were talking. The assumption kind of that like women are just innately better at the nurturing, the cleaning, the cooking, like all that stuff. And then sub kind of coexistent with that is the micromanagement that Mm -hmm. I see. I feel like in with my first kid, I did it a lot. Like I micromanaged a lot and I'd be like, you're not, no, 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 no. Just let me do it. Or like, you're not doing that right. Like just, (laughs) but like once we had kid number two, I was like, whatever, like it just needs to get done. Like whether (laughs) good bad or like indifferent like it just needs to get done and so I've definitely felt like I've like let those reins go a lot but I see that especially with my friends that have one kid or like Mm -hmm. that have kids really really close 
like super close in age because they still were doing all the baby stuff and they just are like, I'm a better diaper changer. No, no, no. We're not giving him the jar of food. Like we're going to give him, you know, pureed, organic, steamed, homemade food. <laughs> that was me. You know, <laughs> with number one. Poor number two, like he's never gotten like, like he gets chicken nuggets and like. Oh, yeah. Anything in nuggets form, bring it on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, I wish I could get a chicken nugget for him in my backyard. But (laughs) yeah, like, you know, I definitely see that with my friends. Like, what are your thoughts kind of on that micromanaging aspect? Yes. And I used to get infuriated when Tom would say, oh, you're the expert. And I would think, why? Because I have ovaries? Like, I'm not, I don't know what the hell I'm doing either. But I set the trap for him because I was micromanaging like you said, it's called maternal gatekeeping. It's been pretty extensively studied where a mother just can either open the gate and let in the father, or she can shut the gate and not let him in. And if you're hesitant when you're first a parent and what parent isn't, then that just puts him off. And that's what I was doing. I was doing the same thing. Like if he would try to bathe her, I would be like, no, you have to put your hand under her head. You know what? No, she's going to drown. Like, are you, what are you doing? Give her to me. Give her to me was the main thing I always said. And then, so you become the expert because you've crowned yourself as the expert. And I remember I never wanted to leave our apartment because I didn't fully trust him. And that's how is he supposed to learn if I'm hanging over him like a buzzard all the time, like pecking at him and telling you like that, pecking at him when I did like with the buzzard. Right. And, (laughs) and I just made him feel self-conscious. And so that was a problem that I'm only having one kid and I really wish I could have another so that I could go back and fix it and let him do everything because (laughs) I really held him at arm's length. And so it, it creates this cycle that was hard to get out of. And it even extended like he used to do the cooking before we had a kid. And then I would do the thing too, where I was making all of her food because I wanted it to be pure and this and that and the purees. And, that. <laughs> and, and so that became a problem too, because I was taking on everything yet. I was resentful that I took on everything yet. I was the architect of my own misery, you know, 100. Yes. Yeah. So you have to let him in. It's okay. If the kid wears stripes and plaid to school, it's okay. If, you know, they don't have a green vegetable with every meal. Like that's the only way he's going to learn. I stopped going out with my friends. Another thing I really regret because yeah. I felt like, uh oh, what if something happens? And if something happens, he would have been okay. So like all of my friends are kind of in that boat right now because we all have kids between the ages of about four to infant, you know? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we planned a uh, momcation last weekend. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm going to start calling it a mothication. I might market that, write that down. <laughs> TM. Um, yeah, exactly. And so we, you know, we're in the group chat, in my group chat mm-hmm. that I talk about all the time. And I'm like, two other friends were the only ones who, it was put out to like six other of my friends. Okay. So only two were like, let's do this. I'm down. Uh, well, I don't know. Cause Aww. you know, uh, you know, he's going to have both kids and it's really hard. I was like, you do it all the time. Well, I don't know. My daughter has a dance recital. Like he can't take her. Like, you know, and it was like mm-hmm. those questions, like you have to like, let them do things. Otherwise they won't because why? Like, why? Right. Like, we made it so easy. And I will admit, like, for me, I was doing the same thing. And 
when you said like something could happen, so I'll be completely candid right now. When I went on my very first trip for more than like overnight this past December, mm-hmm. my baby broke his leg. Don't. No. Broke his leg. It could have happened when I was there. It could have happened when the babysitter was there. Like, it wasn't my husband being careless, like, at all. He slipped in the bathtub or in the mm-hmm. bathroom, you know, from, like, wet bathroom floor. Slipped, oh. broke his leg. I literally was in the air on the way back home from New York. I was on my way back home. And I get off the plane, and I just have my phones like, bing, 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 bing. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, what's happening? And mm-hmm. my husband's just like... I don't know what just happened. A.B. fell in the bathroom. I heard a pop. I picked him up. Like, I rocked him a little bit, and he went to sleep. So, you know, my thought was, it's not a big deal. It's all good. Like, don't worry. Like, it's fine. When I get home, like, I'm sure. I'm like, he went to sleep. Like, it couldn't be a big deal. Get home. He's still asleep. I, like, start unpacking. I take a shower. Like, all these things. I'm getting ready to go to bed. And I was just, something told me to just go check on him. I woke him up a little bit just to see. And he just, like, lets out this, like, guttural cry. And I'm like, oh, my Jesus. Like, what's wrong, buddy? You know, and he was 18 months at the time. so (gasps) And so he's just crying. He won't stand up. Because, you know, he can stand up in his crib. So I'm like, something's wrong. So I pick him up, and I touch his leg, and it feels swollen. And I squeeze it, and I can (gasps) feel. Like, I can feel it. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. I was like, I think his leg's broken. Get him some ibuprofen. I'm going to take him to the emergency room. And my husband, like, you could just see, like, the color just, like, oh, poor guy. Face. Like, he felt so bad. He's like, are you serious? And I was like, I think so. And I was like, oh, my God. He's like, I should have picked him up. I should have, I should have, I should have. And I was like, he walks in the bathroom all the time. <laughs> like, how would oh. And so this happened. Legitimately had a broken leg and a cast. <laughs> Five weeks, like, it was a big thing, you know? And a lot of my friends, they were just like, oh, my God, were you furious? Like, are you ever going to leave the kids with him again? Like, all this stuff. And I was just like, that could have happened when I was there. Like, he was not being careless. It wasn't like, like, you see, like, a dad moment where he, like, throws him up in the air and, like, doesn't catch him. Or, like, sitting on the couch watching tv while the kids are like playing slip and slide in the house like i never had any like questions about it my three-year-old completely corroborated the whole story like, he was just <laughs> like mommy ab fell down and it was so sad and like and he like completely like and it's all like i never did have any doubt period but like I was like, in case anybody has any doubt about, like, what happened, like, three-year-old is singing like a stool pigeon. So, like, okay. <laughs> but it was, like, a lot of my wow. friends, they were completely mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, I would never leave again. I can't believe you weren't upset with him. Like, all this stuff. And I was like, it was a legitimate accident. Like, mm-hmm. almost unavoidable. Could have happened anywhere like most of our floors are hard surfaces like right one drop of water that could have happened it could have happened mm-hmm. at school it could have happened at walmart like, it could have happened like wherever so i was like mm-hmm. and what if it had been me like would he not let me take care of my kids you know right when of course he, when he goes away to do things i was like that's insane i was like i will not punish him or whatever mm-hmm. because there was an accident 
And so I feel like that was kind of a a glimpse of I have really evolved. (laughs) Yes. Well done. Like I'm and so many of my friends can't then be like, I'm never leaving again. Like that's crazy. You're right. That's a very good point, right? You're partners and you have to be in it together. You're absolutely right. Wow, you guys are really solid. Like I'm it's I, taking it's, a lot of work. Like, like, we're not perfect <laughs> by any means. We still da, 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 and we fight over the dumbest shit. And like sometimes, like when we sit back and like peel back the onion of like why we we're fighting, we we're like, man, that was real, real dumb. Like real dumb. Like, but you know, your point about work is that you do have to maintain it, and your marriage isn't an air plant. You have to pay attention to what's going on and date night and all that stuff. Like it really is true. I know it's so boring and everyone talks about date, but you do have to have moments with just the two of you. We did this thing, you know, an, another counselor, we went to many counselors, but one of them said, talk for 10 minutes a night, not about the kids and not about the crap you have to buy at Target. Just talk to each other. And like, how crazy is that though? So I listen to a lot of podcasts also. Um, Mm. Shout outs to Lovey Ajayi. I was listening to her Ransom Randomness, uh, catching up on that a couple weeks ago. I listened to multiple episodes at a time. And so she had a couple of guests. And at the end of all of her episodes, she asked, what do you do for self-care? And I just distinctly remember that two of the guests, they were like, oh, you know, I just lounge with my man all day. I just like sleep in the bed with my husband all day. Like we have sex, like all this stuff of like that being their self-care. And of course they were childless. And I was just like, what the hell happens? Like, where is that shift to where like your man, like spending time with your man is like self-care to where it's almost like, oh, okay, like, let me figure out where to fit this in and, oh, date night, you know, like, you know, like, yeah, that and it's like, where does that shift happen? And how can we stop it? Because I was just like, when they said that, I kind of chuckled to myself, like, he must not have kids. And then I was like, Hmm. well, shit, wait a minute. Like, yeah there's something to that and I feel like that is something that needs to be like delved into like where is that shift and why does it happen I still can't get off what you just said because I'm thinking like when is the last time I just lounged in bed with my husband get up get some food have sex watch a little something on tape like to just lounge there god it's been I don't even know when Hmm, you got me thinking. Right? You, right? Like, how do you even make that? I mean, you could leave the kids with, like, your mom or something. Or, like, I don't... Like, I guess that's the thing, though. Because, yeah. it's like, to get to that point, like, there's so many steps that have to be, like, checked off. To just, and you have to... <laughs> right. You right. have to just lounge yeah. in bed mm-hmm. and, and have sex all day or, like, whatever. Like, you legitimately have to find someone to watch your kid. Maybe mm-hmm. you have to pay somebody to do that. If you yeah, don't, you yeah. might have to take them that place. And it's like, by the time you do all that stuff, it's just like... Not so sexy. Not so sexy. Oh, plan and all God. That I guess while the kid is gone, I might do this productive thing, you know, this yeah. other productive thing that I need to be doing. And, it, mm-hmm. like, man, I was like... But listening to that made me really start thinking, like, we have to do better. Like, we have to do a better job about keeping like that time that we spend with our significant other as 
self-care and not as like this burdensome oh, it's been three weeks I guess we should do you know like or it's feel like something you're doing for him but right. it is self-care it is self-care to, to feel close to him and to hang yeah. out and to that is a very interesting. Oh, I may write about that. Do you think I could take that a little bit? Absolutely. Because Absolutely. I never me. thought of defining that. Oh, I will. Oh, don't you worry. But like, I never thought of it as self-care to be with somebody else. But that still is when it's about pleasure and rest Absolutely. and connection. Yeah. Right. Like when we hang out yeah. with our friends, like that's self-care. Like when you go have brunch that's and connection. or like whatever, like that that's is pleasure. That's pleasure. And I'm like, why do we not? after children have that same like feeling with our significant mm. others who we right. had those feelings and those, you know, whatever with before our children. I was like, and how do we get back there? Like that's the piece of the puzzle that I most want to know is like, and I feel like, I feel like my mind is definitely shifting towards it being like another task that I need to check off and like something right. that I truly want and desire and want to do and all of that. But also making like the logistics to get there just be like a thing that you have to do like if you want to go have drinks with your friends before you had kids even you'd still have to plan it mm-hmm. you still have to get there true you still have to coordinate you know reservations or like whatever like mm-hmm. it's still work like it's still mental labor like it's still all those things and so it's like why was that so easy and now it's like a freaking act of Congress. So I'm like, that is where I really I'm trying to do some like self-reflection and then ask my friends and, you know, do our own little case studies of like, what's up with that? How do we get back there? Like, That's that. another good way to compare it, though, to your friends, because it doesn't happen organically. You do have to plan. So yep. what's the difference? Because it's the same outcome where you get that connection. That is another very good point. And you're right. Like, especially when I first had the kid and I was a little raw, I would think like sex is something I have to do for him. Right. You know, not for me, but it makes you feel good too. may hurt a little bit at first, but you know, and (laughs) like, yeah. So you're right. And like, we try to prioritize, I'm sure you do the same thing. Like we do the 10 minutes a night, which 10 minutes is nothing, you know, of talking. We try to go out, you know, once a week we try. And I wrote about in the book, that study of the 30,000 sex therapists where they were surveyed. I found this study so interesting. They were surveyed and they surveyed 30,000 people. Some were newly together. They were partners. Some had been together for a really long time. It didn't matter how old they were. It didn't matter where they came from. The ultimate amount of sex that they liked for their well-being was once a week. And I thought, well, shoot, I could do once a week. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like that isn't gonna... Yeah, yeah. But I did sort of aim informally in my head, like, okay, once a week. And if a week had passed, you know, I would think like, oh, I've got to get back on that. And it really does get those happy chemicals going. It really does make you feel connected. Even if you're not in the mood at first, you can get in the mood. And like, I know time is always a thing when you have kids, especially because you're on this timetable that perhaps you weren't on before, you know, you can't be late for preschool or whatever's going on. And, and so we we did this one thing I remember because Tom was the more aggrieved partner in our relationship, right, 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 right. You know, and so I said, let's brainstorm because this is another thing that therapists would always tell me: like, get on the same page whenever you can and use the phrase "let's brainstorm." Let's brainstorm. We're in this together. And I would say, okay, how can we make more time for each other? And when my kid couldn't tell time, he started putting her to bed. I wrote about this in the book: half an hour early each night because she didn't know, right, and right. 
I said, if you can get out of bed a little early, then I won't be tense about like, uh oh, this is going to cut into my time. I won't get my sleep because you know how you are about sleep too, you know? So he would put her to bed and then he'd come in and he'd say, I put her to bed half an hour early. And I would say, come here. (laughs) All right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And like, so just because we were collaborative and we were thinking, I mean, it is, it's no fun to have to plan all that stuff. Right. But you're right. Like it's true. Like you're not going to have sex with your kid walking in and out of the room. Like, I mean, no, no, no. Well, would, but not my cup of tea. <laughs> like, not mine. Yeah. No, no, no. Propriety boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> Small things that I learned you can also do. Like there's this one study, uh, University of Georgia researchers, they found that the biggest predictor of a long, happy relationship is saying thank you to each other regularly and not thank you for, you know, marrying me. It, like stupid stuff, like little stuff. Like, yeah. hey, thanks for bringing me a coffee when you went out to get coffee. You're like, Hey, thanks for playing with a kid while I got to take a nice long shower. Like even things you don't want to thank him for because you think like, because at first I'd be like, well, why should I thank him for stuff he should be doing anyway? You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I would because I thought, all right, I'll do what the study says. And like, it does make you again, feel appreciated, validated, heard. And so I just started thanking him. And also another study found that if you <laughs> thank your partner, they start thanking you back. Like it's this thing, it's this reciprocity. Yeah. And so he started doing it to me too. And it really helped like small things. There's this famous couples counselor named John Gottman. He started this thing called the love lab and he's one of the biggest counselors ever. And, And his mantra was small things often do little teeny things for your partner throughout the day. And you know, when you can, the sweeter you are to him, it just becomes this kind of upward cycle. And so I tried you know, I would catch myself when I was being resentful and I would really try to be as polite to him as I was to my UPS guy, you know, like strangers. And that was another thing is like politeness. We weren't being polite with each other and just courtesy, like with the part, the person that you loved enough to have them impregnate you in the first place. Yeah. That's incredible about how you get so comfortable with somebody that you love so much that you just, you treat them like worse yeah. than you would a stranger, worse than you would, you know, like whatever, like that sucks. And we definitely need to do a better job about that. And that was my motivation. You know, I mentioned earlier that my motivation was not to ruin my kid, which makes me sad when I think about that. Like that's what repaired our marriage. But even from Tom's point of view, I said to him, I showed him all this research because I'm a big researcher. Like that's my yeah, thing. That's- and so I showed him piles of research and I said, this behavior modeling that how we act, like you can tell kids anything you want, but they're listening to what you do, not what you say. Like you can say girls rule and all that crap. But if what she's seeing around our house is that you're sitting on your ass and I'm doing everything, that's what she's going to internalize. And that's what she's going to expect from her partner when she gets older. He didn't like that. Oh, he did not like that you could see the wheels turning in his head. And he was like envisioning our daughter grown up with some bum on the couch. Oh, not happy about that. And I said, our actions mean a lot more than our words because kids again are not stupid. And they know when you're like giving them like slogans, right? If you're not living it, then they know and they differentiate. And so that was the catalyst that really changed. Again, it was him. It was her and not me, which again is sort of sad, but like he thought, 
Oh, I don't think it is sad. Like, I think, like, everyone has their aha moment however they have their aha moment. And, like, sometimes it's internal and it's, like, I need to do a better job because I love you. Sometimes it's I need to do, you know, when my parents got divorced, like, Mm -hmm. my mom's aha moment was because it was, like, y'all fight too, I, you know, a four-year-old me, y'all fight too much, I'm going to go live with my grandma. Like, that was... You said that to her? Yeah, yeah. And, like, obviously, I don't remember that, but she told me you know, that story all the time. And she was like, the day that I knew we had to leave was when you were like, y'all fight all the time. It scares me. I want to go live with Nana. And she said, like, her heart just like broke. Because she was, you know, they were staying together because she wanted me to have two parents. And I was just like, no, like, this is not good at four. And so can you imagine, like, your four-year-old being like, I don't want to live with you anymore because y'all are crazy. (laughs) that's got to be gut-wrenching. And so, like, yeah. I never, ever want my kids to do that. But, like, you know, that wasn't necessarily my motivation. But I can unequivocally see how, like, sometimes that little mirror that they shine on you through mm. themselves, like, that, that can be your motivation to do whatever. You know, a lot of people say that they got their degrees or they did, like, these amazing things because they wanted to be an example for you know, their kid, that doesn't make it any less noble. That doesn't make it any less of an accomplishment. Like that would just happen to be their motivation. And so I think like, just cause that our secondary goal is we do not want to be the reason our kids are in therapy. Like we just don't yeah. want to be the reason for that. I'm sure they're going to need it regardless, but like, <laughs> I don't want to be <laughs> me and Mark don't want to be the main culprits for that. And so, right. yeah, you know what? You're the foundation in the family and whatever holds up the foundation. Great. You're right. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. So yeah, don't feel bad about that. Like, don't feel bad. <laughs> Thank about you. That. Like, seriously. We're, we're having a session. We're having a session. Yes, I exactly. love it. Yeah. I feel like I should have been a psychologist. So I want to get back to, if you had to give three overarching tips to the listeners of how not to hate your husband or your wife, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? After you have kids, what would those be? Okay. They would be that children learn where they live. So behave the way you want your child to be treated by his or her spouse one day. And another is to know that he can't read your mind and to be very clear on what you need and what you want. If you have to get clarity somewhere, if you have to go take a walk, if you have to go take a long shower and shut the door so nobody barges in on you, think about what you need in the moment. And three, it would be when you're fighting, you know, this is psychology 101 and couples counseling 101, but I did find this to be very helpful is two things. Actually, if I can give three and a half tips, one is, Start with I statements. Never say you are lazy. You are this, you are that. It's always, I feel that blah, blah, blah. You know, talk about your feelings. Mm -hmm. If you lead with I statements, it's, they cannot be on the defensive. You know, they, you're just talking about how you feel. They can't argue with that, you know? And another would be paraphrasing. I talked about how people always want to be heard. The FBI guy that I interviewed he said that the number one thing that he does to calm people down is to paraphrase what their issue is in their mm-hmm. own words. Mm-hmm. My husband does that all the time. This trick he learned from Gary, the FBI guy, and it the FBI crisis negotiator, and it's paraphrasing. So if you're saying like, why do I need a PhD to empty the dishwasher? Why can't you empty the dishwasher? I'm making dinner and I'm doing the kids homework. Like, what, what are you doing? If he paraphrases to you, 
okay, so what you're saying is, you know, and you just repeat in their own words, like, so you're saying you feel upset because you're emptying the dishwasher and cooking dinner and doing the kids homework. And I'm not, is that what I'm hearing? And every single time my husband paraphrases what I'm saying, I know that he's heard me because he can't, he used to do the thing. I would say like, you know, you could change a baby's diaper and you didn't. And I would say, did you hear me? What did I say? You know, and he would say that you, I should change the baby's diaper. But what he was doing is like repeating like a computer right. programming, like what I was, but he wasn't listening. Right. With paraphrasing and making it your own words, you actually have to listen. And I'm telling you, like, when you feel like you are being heard, it takes the wind out of your sails. It just does. Because you can't be mad anymore. You, like, can't, you, can't, like, you can't make yeah. up the story anymore. Right. And like another FBI technique is called words of affirmation. So like mm -hmm. if I'm saying something to him, all they do in the FBI when someone's like waving a gun around or whatever is say, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Go on. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear you. Yes. Yeah. Well, if my husband's saying that when I'm ranting about something like, yeah, mm -hmm. I hear you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. I can't be mad. He's hearing me. He's, he's listening. listening. Like, yeah. 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 And so that really helped. And I know he's doing that technique on me. I know he's doing paraphrasing. Whatever. It doesn't it's matter. Like, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, those, part, it's a technique for a reason. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. Like, I know. So it, those things really did help. And like, watch your maternal gatekeeping because I didn't even realize how much I was shutting him out, but it even, I wrote about this, but like I would text with a bunch of moms and we were texting about this one mom who there's always that one mom you text about, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. right? And he would walk by and he would say like, Oh, what are you texting about? And I would say, Oh, nothing. And I thought, well, you know, it's about parents of kids that we know, like you right. should, you know, even stuff like that or like, you know, school trips or like little dramas that happen in school. I'd be like, nothing. And then I thought, like, stop saying nothing. He's asking. He cares. Right. Invite him in. You know. Right. So For I sure. checked. You have to. I had to check my behavior about maternal gatekeeping all the time, and it made a big difference once I did. That's a really good one, because yeah, I'm like we put so much pressure on ourselves for no reason. Like they would absolutely take some of it if they felt comfortable to do it. Exactly. So I want to do this one segment that I like to do with my guests. Sure. But, um, one of my listeners they asked about. Have you kept up with, you know, the things that you wrote about in your book? Like, have you kept up with keeping the gatekeeping at a minimum? Have you kept up with the regular, you know, coupling, going on date nights and like that kind of thing? Like, are you living what you wrote in your book? I will tell you, and this is the absolute truth. Yes, I have. Because I naively thought like once we kind of locked everything in place, you know, we got everything like once we course corrected that everything was going to be fine, but nothing is organic. I wish it was a different answer, but it does take maintenance. And I have to, I'm constantly sort of monitoring how I feel, how he and I are doing when we're in sync. We, I wrote about in the book, like we have to every weekend on Friday, today's Friday, we're going to plan our weekend. And I plan in times where I can have time to myself, which I never used to do because I was a martyr. Yep. And, you know, we still do all of that stuff. We did it at the chores. So we both know what our chores are now so we don't have to do that anymore but we do all that stuff about fighting so yes most of it some of it is on autopilot we don't think sure. about it anymore but the other stuff i absolutely do and that was a bit of a shock to me because i thought it was just gonna kind of happen mm, no exactly no, no not sadly like i feel you like that people need to know is that like it doesn't go on autopilot like you still yeah. have to work like you still have to be conscious and cognizant of like what's working and then what's not working. And, you know, like if some, if you try to implement something and it doesn't work, like switch it up and like, that's okay. Yeah. 
the reward is great because when you have a healthy relationship, you are giving your children a gift, a gift that will last them a lifetime, you know, and yourself, like, you know, and yourself. Like there's so many people that I've seen like in recent years that like they get divorced when their kids like 19 or 20 Mm -hmm. because now they're gone and they realize we had nothing in common for the last few years except who are you? Who are you? And I'm like me and Mark we talk about that all the time. I was like I don't want to not know you in 20 years. Like Mm -hmm. I don't want to have just been Asher and Abram's parents for the last 20 years. Like I want Mm -hmm. to be your wife. I want yeah. us to still be Mark and Nicole because that's who we were before that. It was we before then. And so like, I want to always make sure that we, we are we. Um, yes. Another uh, listener wrote in, I travel a lot. Like I'm sure you do for your job. I do. What are some of the tips that you could give to a mom that has to travel to kind of keep that connection with your partner and also with your kid? You know, it's funny because I used to feel guilty when I would travel. And then I started encouraging Tom and Sylvie, my husband and my kid, to do things together. Mm-hmm. And I tried to be upbeat when I would go away and mm-hmm. not be all like sad or crying or hugging them for too long and too tightly, yes. Yes. you know, yes. and like, and checking in actually at a minimum and really selling it as the time to, to spend out. with daddy and making it super festive. Even when sometimes I would be crying as I packed that I wouldn't let them see, you know, and, and so I sort of rebranded it as I tried to keep my own kind of guilt or forlorn feelings out of it. And, and sometimes I'm trying to remember, I even like gotten them tickets for things, you know, or arranged one time what we're going to ramp up for. I have to go away. I have to go to China for a trip. I'm a little nervous about that, actually. And I'm going to arrange a lot of fun things for them to do here. I mean, he could too, but like, that's where I feel almost a way to like still be involved, but not be involved. And I think I'm going to see if Tom will host a sleepover with some girls. Maybe that's too crazy, but like, I think it'll be sort of fun. (laughs) And then it'll keep him. He won't have to do as much. Like he can just like monitor. And you know how kids are like, they're so single minded and like, if I tell Sylvia about that now, all she'll talk about is that sleepover for the next couple of years. And what will it be about me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah she'll just be like tunnel vision, like sleepover. That's all it'll be. That's um, a really good idea. Yeah. And then I do try also when I'm traveling to build in, to do the same like carrot dangling for me. Like sometimes when I've been on a work trip, I go and see a movie by myself when I'm done with all the meetings I have to do. Or, you know, I'll, um, I mean, go into a, a hotel where there's room service and you can sit Spa there in your robe. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Like what is <laughs> wrong with that? And so, you know, sometimes I've like booked like a manicure or something like just a little carrot for me too. So I can rebrand it in my head. Not as I'm leaving my family and ruining them. You know, that, again, that was a really long answer, but I hope that helps. No, no, no. I, I yeah. really like the idea about like dangling the carrot for your kid. Cause like, that's something I hadn't really thought about. I don't travel much like at mm-hmm. all, but husband does and you know my kids get sad especially my two-year-old oh my god my two-year-old he's so freaking daddy centric he will literally jump out of my arms to go to my husband and I'm like really 
like really kid like okay you know one who has diastasis and saggy boobs for you like that's what you want to do but like my four-year-old he's like obsessed with me so I guess it balances out I couldn't have two of them probably I'd probably be annoyed all the time but my husband he travels a lot he's actually uh in New Orleans right now they are doing a Mm. fantasy football draft in person because oh my gosh that's what you do right sure (laughs) yeah Yes. And so he's gone till Sunday and like I'm pretty sure my two year old he's gonna be like, Daddy, where daddy? Where's daddy? So sure. I feel like next time I'm gonna start it as like, okay, when daddy leaves, we're gonna do this super cool fun thing and that I haven't thought of yet, but I will definitely do that for the next trip. He will push daddy out the door because he'll be like, Okay, bouncy cat when's the bouncy castle? You know, like that's exactly you know how they are. That's exactly yeah. that's mm-hmm. such a good idea. I'm absolutely complaining <laughs> that. <laughs> but, oh my god Jancy this was like the best again I feel like we were friends anyway you were a friend in my head because I listened to <laughs> the story and I felt like I was there like, and now I it's official kidding. yes exactly <laughs> and I will be in Brooklyn in March for sure thank you I know the listeners are going to love every second of you know what we discussed so useful so timely so universal because <laughs> How many people would you say that you, like moms and or wives, did that you like interviewed in preparation for your book and since? Oh, well, hundreds for the book, but I've talked to, God, Nicole, I don't even know. I mean, thousands. It was sold in 12 countries also. So I get contacted from people all over the place. It's really strange. And like, these problems are universal. It's been so gratifying. And I get on Instagram, people contact me probably every day and they send me pictures of their kids and their babies. And it just, it makes me want to cry sometimes. So it's been really nice. I'm sure you've like saved marriages, like legit. Like I'm (laughs) sure you have saved a family breaking up on many occasions because just, you know, a reminding yourself that you're not alone and that like your husband is not an asshole like that I feel like the first step is just being like this is not an anomaly like this is not you like talk to your friends about it talk to your friends about it I had friends that told me after the book came out oh I used to fight with you know John or whatever all the time and I was like why didn't you tell me why are we keeping this from each other we tell each other everything we talk about like Pube removal, right? And like, yes, major but you can't stuff. talk about like major, like, like 100%. Yeah. yeah, you know, that's kind of the mission also of Hello Smart Mothers is like, find your squad, find, right. those, find that squad that you trust that you can have those conversations with. Because, like, I 100% endorse your book and I want everybody in the world <laughs> to read it, but it really does help to have those real life connection conversations and to really be able to get like I'm not alone like this Mm -hmm. is not me this is not him like this is a season that we just have to get through yes thank you for being a catalyst to bring forward knowledge about that season and I will definitely be in touch and I'm sure the listeners will probably be blowing you up on your (laughs) Instagram as well. So thank you so much, Jancy, for joining us on this episode of Hella Smart Mothers. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me and thanks for the support. See you soon. Mothers, lovers, we have to give a big, huge, resounding applause for Jancy. That was an amazing interview. 
she really laid it out there. Um, again, if you guys haven't read How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids, I implore you, please do so. So just a couple takeaways that I wanted to recap the interview with were the five points. I asked for three and she gave us five. How lucky. Um, the five points that Jancy went over of like overarching themes of basically how not to hate your husband after having kids. And number one was behave how you want your child to be treated by their significant other someday. And, you know, she went into pretty good detail about how that was part of the catalyst for her and her husband, Tom, for really getting down to the dirty work to really rebuild their marriage. Um, number two was to communicate clearly your wants and your needs. Um, number three was to use I statements when arguing. Number four is to paraphrase what your significant other is saying to understand and to, you know, participate in active listening. And number five is to really let down the maternal gatekeeping. And, you know, she went into pretty good detail about what she meant about maternal gatekeeping. So I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed um, recording it and interviewing Jancy. It was a, a really good time, really good book. Definitely, I will put her website info in the show notes and look out for the new book that she ghost wrote for Karamo Brown. I'm sure it's going to be as amazing as everything else she's done. All right, Mavis Lovers, I'm not going to do a gold star and timeout today in the interest of time. So if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Hella Smart Mothers. And, uh, you know, we'll talk again in a week. Have a great week, guys. This episode of Hella Smart Mothers was hosted, researched, and produced by Nicole Delahousse, show advisor, Louis Natasha Lafere. Sound editor and audio engineer for this episode was Emmanuel Olabinga. Hey guys, don't forget to follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss your time with the mom squad you never knew you needed.